0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, Body Justice. I started this podcast because I believe that all bodies are good bodies. All bodies are deserving, worthy, and all bodies are whole just as they are. In today's world, it's ever hard to embody this as our truth. My mission is to create a space to process body image, eating disorders, and relationships through a justice oriented lens. I'm a licensed therapist in California and an eating disorder survivor myself. I know what it's like to be at war with myself and also to find peace again. Thank you for being here, and I look forward to being your host. Hey everyone, welcome back to Body Justice. I hope everyone's having a great week. Um, we are getting into colder weather and I'm loving it personally. I love just being curled up in my blankets and reading. And um, so I hope you're enjoying it as well. Um, today we have a really special guest, Dr. Mina Jay. Um, I connected with her over Instagram. She is a fellow therapist here in Southern California um, and she's a leading expert on overcoming perfectionism and building an authentic life. So she's the founder of Perfectionism University, an online platform for self-help courses on breaking up with perfectionism. Her goal is to create a community where where we can all unlearn perfectionism and start our journey of embracing imperfections and owning our enoughness. I had a really fun time talking to her. Um, We're gonna get into how perfectionism is often at the root of many psychological conditions, including eating disorders, OCD, and high functioning anxiety. And then how it's exacerbated by exacerbated, I'm sorry, by systems of oppression, including capitalism um, and racism, sexism, and how we can begin to undo the harms of perfectionism in our lives. Personally, this is definitely something I've struggled with, and I see it in almost every one of my clients, to be honest, it's I've have not met someone that struggles with um, disordered eating and or OCD or anxiety that doesn't have an element of perfectionism, and we're going to get into some of the nuances of that. Um, there's a lot of misconceptions about what perfectionism is and what it looks like, because it's definitely not about like having a perfect life. So um, we're going to talk to Dr. Mina J about that. Before we get into that, um, I just want to remind you guys you can find me on my Instagram at bodyjusticetherapist. And if you haven't checked out my online self-paced recovery course yet, highly recommend you do so. Um, It is a two and a half hour video course led by me where I have jam-packed all the skills that I typically teach my clients in terms of recovering from their eating disorder. Um, And something that sets this one apart from others is that I talk about the integration of social justice into this work. Um, I also have chapters on body image. Um, The specific tools I use in helping clients cope with emotions, um, learning about intuitive eating, um, health at every size, tons of different modules, and there's um, PDF handouts that you can use with yourself, or if you're a provider and you're trying to learn more about treating eating disorders, you can use these handouts with your clients directly. So I've had a variety, a mix of therapists and people in recovery take the course just to learn more about how to treat folks with eating disorders. So... You can find that um, on the my Instagram bio. There's a link, Essential Skills for Eating Disorder Recovery. Um, and it's my goal with the course that this is accessible to all people that need this. So that's really what um, was my my motive for making the course, is that obviously the cost of treatment is really expensive and not a lot of people can afford treatment. So I wanted to at least make some kind of tool-based course that helped people access these skills without having to go to therapy. Now, of course, like if you can go to therapy, that is clinically advised. Um, however, this is a good educational starting point. So without further ado, let's get into my talk with Dr. Mina Jay about perfectionism. Perfectionism <music> All right, Dr. Minajay, can you tell listeners a little bit about you, how you identify, and what you're passionate about? I am Dr. Minajay. I'm a licensed
1: psychologist here in California in Los Angeles area, and I have a group practice where myself and two other therapists, we work with late adolescents and adults on issues like anxiety, OCD, addiction, codependency, and on the side, I also have a platform where I share digital courses on how to break up with perfectionism and on a personal note I am a mom soon to be five-year-old a very brave very independent uh, young girl Uh, so she's a you know love of my life and and then things that I'm passionate about uh to be honest with you lately I've been focusing a lot on doing less Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what's on my mind lately is doing less and having, having a little bit more intention, intentionality behind, behind my choices.
0: I love that. That's so needed. I feel like that's something I'm continuously working on. It's like a daily practice. <laughs>
1: it is. It really is. We're all work in
2: progress.
0: Yes, definitely. So I'm, I'm assuming that has something to do with perfectionism too, like reminding yourself to do um, less and intentionally doing that, um, and for listeners to, um, who don't know, we're going to focus on perfectionism today, but Dr. Menager, can you tell us a little bit about um, how you got interested in working with perfectionism?
1: I would love to because it's a, a combination of personal uh, experiences coupled with my professional um, observations as a therapist. So I have to begin with my personal story a little bit because yes. um, it was about a decade ago, I was reading the book, one and only Dr. Brenna Brown's Gifts of Imperfections.
0: Amazing book.
1: <laughs> most definitely, yes. It's it's one of the best, one of the best. And it was in that book that I was able to find the name of what I was really struggling with. Obviously it started before then. Um, I moved to the States from Turkey Two weeks before my fifteenth birthday, and wow. I always say that that gave my therapist and I a lot to work with. Yeah, <laughs> and so I have, you know, these type of life experiences that really, unfortunately, played a role in me perceiving perfectionism as a way to fitting in. And and one of the things that happens, uh, I mean, I know this is true for many life experiences, but for me, coming into another country middle of my adolescence, you feel like everybody got a head start on socializing, I got a head start in finding their social place. And um, it's kind of like going to a party and everybody's already mingling and you're trying to find your place. So in the midst of that, in my 20s, I found myself wanting to do things as perfectly as possible to again, get, get, you know, find my place. And it was again, reading Dr. Brennan Brown's book, I realized I was struggling with behind my anxieties, this feeling of um, not being enough, mm-hmm. and so that's, that's, as you know, you know, I think when we are interested in something that comes from a personal place, it's, it's, it tends to be more meaningful, so in my therapeutic work, as I mentioned earlier, I do individual therapy mostly, and I, uh, most people come to therapy understandably because of sleep problems, or they are not, they're feeling depressed and fatigued, or they have, t- you know, in tense anxiety, they feel like it's really hard to get out of bed, um, or relationship issues. And what I found out is behind uh, most of these, including OCD, addiction, and, and eating disorder, that there are inevitably layers of perfectionism in there. And I often think that perfectionism is the cause and or the symptom of what you're going through. Uh, and I don't mean cause in a research basis, just figuratively speaking, that that our perfectionism can lead to or exacerbate maybe predisposed addiction, eating disorder. So it was, again, a combination of what I've been through in my personal life, wanting to be perfect so I could be, again, enough and liked and approved of. And I noticed that that wasn't uh, unique to me, that many people share that same struggle of wanting to be perfect and that kind of kickstarted in the last couple of years. I started to dedicate more of my time in speaking about perfectionism. And in twenty, 2021, this year, uh, <laughs> I launched a digital course on breaking up with perfectionism. So it's just been
0: something that is something that I'm growing uh, more and more into. That's amazing. Thanks for sharing your story. And I couldn't agree more that um, perfectionism, it's what's one of those personality traits or temperament traits that we see all the time with OCD and eating disorders. Um, And it's one thing I think that fuels it and also maintains it. And sometimes what I see too, and this is my personal experience, when I recovered from my eating disorder, what was left was my perfectionism. You know, like that is like the lifelong battle. And it it totally seems to spike up in times of like stress or doing something new. Um, it's just such a such a tough temperament to work with. It, it sure is because we tend to pick it up
1: from certain places and, or we are rewarded for doing things perfectly. So it, there are so many messages we get uh, that again, asks us to do things perfectly. I also love something you, were, you just said about whenever we do something new, I tend to you know be asked since my perfectionism kind of uh, took another level once I moved to the States, which now many, many years ago um, and about a decade ago, I had another understanding of it by reading uh, the book. So people often assume I must be way past that and it must be much behind me or far behind me. And that's actually something that's not true. As you know, we can't get complacent about things that we want to self-distance from. And it's important to remind ourselves that my perfectionism, one of the recent stories that I tend to share is I became a mom about five years ago and that was a huge new chapter, as most people feel, you know, um, very excited about. And it, it, my perfectionism was like, let's go. I found something new I can use against her because I know how much she loves her daughter. And it went to, again, the way I was sleep training her, to the way I was breastfeeding her and how it, it was enough spending enough time with her. When I was spending enough time with her, was I... Um, was I using the right words? And Mm -hmm. was I making the right eye contact? And am I finding the right doctor for her? And Mm -hmm. so it's important to be mindful that our perfectionism can latch onto anything we value or anything that is new for us, because it says for something to have value, you got to do it perfectly.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's all about like externalizing our worth to these other things instead of just knowing we are already enough and like we don't need to prove ourselves by having the best of the best being the best mom being the best therapist like it's not possible yet we strive for it
1: we do and i'm afraid part of it is again go has to go back to the societal and cultural messages that how we are defined by the roles we have yeah even with our education and career we're defined by these things so one of the things of letting go of perfectionism is knowing that it is not, you know, the roles we take that makes us valuable. And one way I tend to explain this to people and that seems to resonate a lot is, I'm afraid this is what happens. We wake up in the morning and it's like almost like you're in a video game and you are going through your day collecting coins. I, I don't I don't know, maybe because my brother played this Mario game when we were teenagers. Oh yeah. I keep thinking of him in a little like TV, small TV oh, yeah. room. Um, 90s so he would like I think of the Mar- Mario uh, character like jumping to get these coins it's literally like we wake up in the morning and we go through our days we go to our commitments and go through our responsibilities and our interactions with people personal professional relationships and everything we do in the in the background is about collecting what I call worthiness points and mm-hmm. you end your day Looking at what you have accomplished, how well you've done, whatever you were, you know, had had done, to decide, am I good enough and am I worthy? So what I ask people to do is totally flip that around. You got to wake up in the morning, having done nothing, having, you know, uh, interacted with no one, and know in your heart that you're enough, you're worthy, you're valuable, you're lovable, you matter, you belong here. And then the things that you do the rest of the day just complements it. Mm -hmm. I want to say that because a lot of times people kind of, you know how it is people, if there's a change or you're asking them to make a change, their mind quickly goes to the other opposite to resist the change and say, hold on. What if, you know, that means I'm going to be arrogant and I'm going to be so self-centered so I didn't say you don't get to do any of the things you were supposed <laughs> to do. I said that you show you wake up in the morning, know your worth, and then everything you do complements that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find that to be really helpful too. I think the biggest game changer in my perfectionism was learning to like give to myself first, like and also know who I am, like figure out, spend time with myself figure out my worthiness from the inside. And I'm not to say it doesn't still come up. It absolutely does at times. But um, I think just having that kind of visual, super helpful, like, and knowing your intentions for why you're doing something. Um, Are you trying to be the best or is this a genuine passion? Um, Yeah, so it's, oh, it's so tough though, because yeah, our culture totally um, perpetuates that with capitalism. Um, and just like in general systems of oppression but when you meet someone the first thing someone asks usually is oh what's your name and what do you do like as if our whole identity is based on our productivity and those kind of messages really bother me so much
1: and and I think it should right because it, it bothers us for a good reason because it's not good for us um I to 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 you know, to add to what you're saying, we, we live in a culture that says, what's next? You know, if you are getting into whatever you're pursuing in life, you ask what's next. Are you married or are, are you single? Or are you dating? I and mean, when you're dating. Well, when are you guys going to get married?
2: Mm-hmm. And when
1: you get engaged, when are you guys going to have the ceremony? After that, when are you going to have your kid? If the first one you're, you have one, when are you having a second one? And along with that motherhood journey, there's also a lot of uh, pressure of going back to your pre-baby body and pre-baby weight yeah. as another sign of worthiness, as another sign of success. Uh, I am, I am, you know, these conversations show up with so many of my clients. Genuinely, I don't know if it's because the holiday seasons are coming up, and uh, is this idea of how it's so sad, but when we haven't seen somebody for a while because of pandemic or or just in generally speaking, how nice does it feel when they say, oh, you haven't changed a bit? Mm-hmm. How nice does it feel when they say, you look great?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And unfortunately it feels nice for the wrong
0: reasons. Right, absolutely agree. It's like, again, Reinforcing this external marker of worth, whether it's body or achievements or work or motherhood, um, I'm sure when I become a mother, that's where my perfectionism is going to go next. <laughs> so
1: it will latch onto something, right? It, it has yeah. to keep itself, uh, you know, around.
0: It does. So, could you define for us, like exactly what perfectionism is, and maybe like when it becomes clinically significant?
1: So by definition, I know that there's, you know, few words that everybody can think of when they think of perfectionism, as the name says, it's about quest to do things perfectly. And what that means is that uh, it has to be flawless, there has to be no mistake or an error. And aside from that, or uh, in addition to that, the biggest problem with perfectionism, and I guess to, to jump ahead a little bit about what makes it a mental health issue, is that what happens to the part of you that are imperfect because we are imperfect human beings and you are inevitably rejecting parts of you so it's not just about me wanting to do things perfectly because this is also what gets misunderstood about perfections and when people say i'm just trying to do my best it's just about me doing my best, striving for excellence. And I said, no, I think it's a facade when perfectionism is sold to us. Oh, it, it's just you doing your best. When, when in actuality, while you do your best, anything that less than, less than that has to be rejected, hidden, dismissed, ignored, and judged. So that's what makes it a mental health issue, because when we, as you, you know, I think I'm sure you practice from the same perspective, you know, when we start to reject parts of ourselves, we end up having holes. Mm-hmm. We are not a whole person. Now we have voids and we have missing parts. One of the things I love is telling people like the goal is to be a whole and see ourselves as a whole person, not perfect.
0: hmm. Yeah, no, I love that. It's like because it does create like a feeling of emptiness, you know, and you can't really feel when at times when my perfectionism has been high, I haven't felt a lot of inner peace. Um. So yeah, that's a really interesting way to put it. How yes. common do you think perfectionism is?
1: To be honest with you, more common than we talk about. More mm-hmm. common than we talk about for a couple of reasons. Here, one of them is. Again, we often see what's on the surface. I can't sleep well. I'm having panic attacks. Um, I have stomach ache. Um, I keep having fights with my partner. So these observable symptoms or observable patterns are tend to be the easiest to track. So a lot of times people get stuck on the surface, and 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 sometimes we look for quick solutions that we don't really look at what is in the what is feeding it. What's along with that? As you were saying. I, this is true for OCD, addiction, eating disorder, is that, it's, let's just take alcohol addiction for, for an example. It's not about just being sober. It's about also taking care of the other things that fed into the need to drink or wanting to numb through alcohol use, which was having high expectations of yourself, unrealistic expectations of yourself, which is another definition of perfectionism, is that people have very unattainable expectations of themselves. And there's a vicious cycle that happens with perfectionism where you have very unrealistic expectations of yourself. Like literally this has to be perfect. And what happens is that something imperfect will happen. And when that happens, because you don't know how to tolerate that, you shame yourself, you beat yourself up. And then you say, let me just try it again and exhaust myself even further.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: we don't say to ourselves hold on why am i having such a hard time with this imperfection that just happened how how, and i'm sure we'll talk about like how can i learn to embrace the mistake how can i learn to be grateful for the mistake that's not our initial reaction our initial reaction is i must have not tried hard enough Mm -hmm. if i was really good that mistake would not have happened." so we go back to the starting point um, so I think it's more common than it is. And one more thing I want to say about um, is about about how common is. Again, goes back to how misunderstood perfectionism is. So one of the things I found out in 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 my in my therapy sessions with with people uh, I work with was we are taught or we hold on to a very narrow definition of perfectionism, which is that stand stereotypical. Perfectionists are high achievers, perfectionists are type A, perfectionists are the CEOs, and I, I couldn't possibly be a perfectionist because I am messy, I am disorganized, I don't even know where my pencil is, and I'm always behind, I can never go anywhere on time, I delay decisions. So one of the reasons I think we, it goes unnoticed is because we are unaware of spectrum of traits that perfectionism has, that it's true. On one hand, you may, or your perfectionism, and I also tell people that this is gonna vary depending on the season of your life, like a chapter of your life. In my 20s, let's say, I'm just making this up, like in my 20s, it could have been that I was the, let's say that college life, I would procrastinate things and I would delay decisions. And then in my 30s, I am that person, mom, who is planning 10 steps ahead and has the rest of their year calendar year already planned mm-hmm. with activities. And these two people both have perfectionism because behind the procrastination and delaying decision lies the fear of making mistake. Mm-hmm. And therefore the person procrastinates. And the same fear of making mistake could make the other person want to say, I have to have all the control and I have to stay up till 3 a.m and make sure I am going through all of these notes, and I'm going through all of these work I have to do. Um, So we have to be willing to know that perfectionism looks different, and then be willing to do that self inventory.
0: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And it really is that core of fear of making a mistake. It's not that everything in your right, like it focuses on one area of our life, usually maybe one or two. But it's not like, you know, like my house could be a mess. But my perfectionism could be towards my work. And we have to know, like, that fear, like, it's the fear of making a mistake. Yes. Um, and it's so interesting when I usually explore with clients, like, you know, what, what do you think that fear of making a mistake is protecting you from? Um, a common answer is, like, well, my humanness, like the vulnerability of being human and being a flawed person. And I just think that's so interesting that it is this, like, survival skill, you know, that we develop. Um, So I always try to help people have compassion for it too. Um, And then, you know, work on minimizing the impact on your life. But thinking of it like a survival skill, do you think perfectionism is more common in marginalized identities? Most definitely.
1: And the reason is, for the perfectionist, the core suffering stems from the belief that I'm not enough. And marginalized groups are treated as second-class citizens. And they are often ignored and or or, or, or their opinion are undervalued, uh, dismissed. I, I'm thinking of these cartoons. I'm sure you've seen them where... A woman gives in a suggestion at a, a boardroom, and then the men gives it, and everybody's like, That's a great idea, John, or mm-hmm. that's a great idea, so and so. Um, so when you're dismissed and ignored, unfortunately, the stories that you send you 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 inevitably adopt is I must not be smart enough, I must not be silly, funny enough. Because that's also another thing, as you were saying so clearly. Perfectionism tends to show up in a lot of social settings for people. And it's not just like, I'm not good enough, which I know is a very core thought. It's important for people to be able to know exactly what the enoughness is around. Like, And I hear a lot of, I'm not smart enough. I am not funny enough. I am not um, intellectually Uh, diverse enough or you know i'm not up to date in the world events and so there is uh this feelings of not enoughness that what happens for marginalized group is we're told we're not enough but you you, or you're told you know that 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 i'm not enough i'm not worthy and here you want to feel enough you want to feel worthy there's that there is this there's a voice inside of you knows that you deserve more love than you're giving yourself which was one of the one of the things I share on on my website about a little bit about my story of like I knew it something was eating at me something was saying you got to give your yourself the love you're giving other people something inside of me was saying like whispering to me that I have good family and friends but it's no one's job but mine to love me so there's always a voice inside of us that says like I know I I I I I I need to feel enough i need to feel worthy and what perfectionism show up is it becomes this bridge we think that if i just do things perfectly i can finally be treated as equal i can mm-hmm. finally be treated with respect i can finally get that promotion that i very much deserve so we think if i just do things perfectly i will feel enough and i will get the again the the, the respect equality or promotion that I very much deserve so unfortunately Mm -hmm. perfectionism become like you said not only a survival skill sometimes it's most definitely an unhealthy coping skill sometimes it's a trauma response for people
0: yeah totally and like with like the wage gap you know for between men and women or people of color and, and white folks, or really any marginalized identity and like a white, cisgender, heterosexual male, right? There's wage gaps, there's less promotions, there's so much more barriers to you know success, quote unquote success. So we then we do feel the pressure to work harder, to overperform, to, to overproduce, um, overfunction, right? It's like, there's like the internal temperament stuff, but there's also these systems of oppression that make it so much harder.
1: Yes, it does. And perfectionists are by definition overachievers and overdoers and um, over givers and pleasers. Um, So when you look at the situation that fed into it, you realize that uh, you realize, yes, all the oppression and all the pressure to to do things better than other people just to earn the same, 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 same salary or earn the same respect.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. To even just be taken seriously. Yes. Yes. To be taken seriously. Exactly. Gosh, that I'm so angry when I talk about that, but I think that anger, I don't know for you, but for me, it gives me a boundary of like, what's mine and what's what is you know, from these larger systems, and I think it helps come back to that place of internal worth, because systems of oppression are just something I'm so, so they're so not in line with my values.
1: Absolutely, and I think we all have to have enough is enough moment, mm-hmm. as, um, as any change to take place, uh, from you know, changing your anxiety to changing your eating disorder, to changing your addiction, meaning, you know, getting, getting sober. Any change from that personal goal to a, a societal goal has to begin with having that enough is enough moment. Um, and I understand that change is not gonna happen overnight, especially some of the social injustices and systems that are in place. I'm very hopeful though. I think we're definitely headed in the right direction um, but I obviously don't want to appear out of touch with reality when I say that. So I want people to focus on what is it about their perfections and they can change today because mm-hmm. let's, you know, let's get to the nitty gritty, the way you talk to yourself, mm-hmm. the way you treat yourself. And let's, let's start there. Mm-hmm. Be your,
0: be your loudest
1: cheerleader for today.
0: Right. Like starting with that internal work, because if everyone did that internal, internal work, then maybe those systems of oppression wouldn't have anything to hold up against, you know?
1: Yes, I got to share this meme with you. I, I, I apologize, I do not remember which account I saw this in or who, the, who, who, that, who this belonged to, but it was a, a post. And it's one of those where you're kind of reading someone's dialogue. And it's in this post, a mom saying, um, she's observing her child. I don't remember, girl or boy, a child, six, seven years old, putting on pants that they have outgrown, which happens as a parent, literally like every nine months that you're getting new Mm -hmm. shoes, you're getting new pants. So, and the post goes, you know, my child was putting on these pants that they have outgrown. And they said, the child being, oh, wow, my legs are too strong for these
0: pants. Mm -hmm. And then
1: the mom says, imagine if we all responded like that to our body, what would happen to the diet culture?
0: Yes. I think I saw that one too. And yeah. Why does that stop for us? Like when we become adults, suddenly our body changing is just, just this negative thing. Whereas when we're aging
1: is a negative thing, getting wrinkles is a negative thing. Um, getting scars from whatever life experience you may Mm -hmm. have had is a negative thing because again, we're told those are imperfections that needs to be corrected. Otherwise I'm afraid nobody will buy those lotions and, Mm -hmm. and go ahead, buy your lotions, by the way. I'm sure you, (laughs) you you would, you agree with me that there's nothing wrong with any of those activities. Uh, uh, you know, it's goes back to what you were saying earlier about being more intentional, Mm -hmm. knowing that if I get my nails done and I color my hair, is not because, so in case anybody sees me with my, you know, uh, cleaned up, you know, nails and hair, it's, that, it's not that doing those things are wrong. It's about knowing that I don't need those things to feel better about myself. Right. Back to what I was saying earlier, like you got to wake up every morning and know that you are beautiful, know that you are worthy and valuable. And then the rest of the day, whatever self-care things you want to do, have fun.
0: Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Yeah. And and I think it's, I always tell my clients, like, it's not that like, yeah, getting your hair nails done or even doing your makeup is a bad thing, but it's, can you go without it? Or is it something that's hinged upon your worth? Like, does it give you anxiety to not do that stuff? You know? And that's where I think, yeah, it's more of a sign that it's more reflective and intertwined with your worth. But I love getting my nails done, <laughs> but I'll go weeks without it too.
1: Exactly, I and mean, I think that's another key thing with perfectionism. There's a lot of rigidity. Yeah. It must be this way all the time <clears throat> in all settings. For an example, I know this is this just because you know we're talking about uh, the topic of like your hair. Perfectionism says your hair must look the part every single morning, drop off and pick up, versus reality and authentic living is sometimes my hair is going to look like i just you know i'm walking on a red carpet and other days you can't even you you don't even know whose hair this is it's so you know it has a life of its own and um it's being willing to be flexible i think Mm -hmm. meet ourselves where we are
0: and not having our self-love be conditional Mm mm-hmm Right. Like I'm good enough with my crazy bed head <laughs> or when I have it curled.
1: Yes. So. I notice with perfectionism there's a lot of if when statements. Yeah. I will be happy when I get married. I will be happy when I lose that 20 pounds. I will be happy when I happy with myself. Uh when I get that promotion, again, lose the weight, um, get into a bigger house. Um, That's, again, is a big
0: warning sign that your self-love is built on the wrong foundation. Yeah. And then in my experience, when you do get that milestone, you might feel kind of like a high for like a day, but then the the next marker of success comes up. And like, you can't even, it's not a fulfilling, lasting joy. Not from that inner well we talked about. No, it's
1: not, and it it reminds me of the the OCD cycle that we know, where uh, not to you know, if anybody who is not familiar, just the gist of it is the idea that a person with OCD may engage in a compulsion and they get a short term relief, but their intrusive thoughts return. I think to be very much true for perfectionism, where we do things perfectly, and it gives us a short term relief, but then our perfectionistic thoughts that are very unkind, unrealistic, unattainable returns. So -hmm. the best way to overcome some of those and have long-term inner peace and long-term self-love is being able to tolerate that things are just not going to be perfect. The same way with OCD, we tell our clients, tolerate the uncertainty.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, which leads me to my next question. When I saw your presentation at the SoCal OCE conference, you talked about the compulsions that fuel perfectionism. Can you tell us a little bit about what those are? So
1: one of the obvious ones is that with compulsions, it needs to be carried out a certain way. The rigidity that I was just talking about there are these rules that things must be done a certain way that the perfectionistic mind is unwilling to kind of like coloring outside of the lines or mixing the Plato's mm-hmm. uh, the, the perfectionistic mind says that those are unacceptable. There's one way to do that. And you must follow it that way. So one thing also common with perfectionism and compulsion is that we think if we just do things perfectly, we will reach a level of certainty that gives us a sense of safety and security that mm-hmm. everything is going to be okay and that nothing bad is going to happen or i'm not a bad person i'm a good person so it's about doing things imperfectly mm-hmm. intentionally coloring outside of the lines whatever that might mean for you uh, um, it's it's silly, but, you know, wearing socks that don't match. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, um, I, I see beautiful uh, wall, wall uh, decor behind you. It's, it's, you know, hanging things that may seem, you know, tilted or uh, I don't, I don't oh, know. That
0: they would bother that. me.
1: <laughs> right. And or the, the pillows you have on your couch, I assume, making sure that they are not all puffed up to look yeah. picture perfect
0: hmm totally and you know when I go in someone's house and it is like immaculately perfect it's almost not comfortable so I always remind myself of that I'm like I wanted this to be homey like things can be a little bit messy
1: oh my god I love that point you're making because that's again hopefully another reminder of why perfectionism is not good for us because it's mm-hmm. fake yeah perfectionism is fake and it's not authentic it's not real And it will cause this connection from yourself and other people. Mm -hmm. As I was saying earlier, perfectionism, it's not just about wanting things to be perfect, but it's also the rejection of the parts of you that are imperfect. So you become, again, like two people, one that you're aware of and the other one you keep ignoring. Um, And then there's this connection with other people because they never get to know the real you. And to them, you're not in time you're no longer, I'm sorry, but like, you must have like you as in anybody who's listening may have lost friends over the years because people felt like they can't relate to you. Mm-hmm. They may have not said it to you, but I have a feeling that they saw like they felt like you were hard to relate to, or you were hard
0: to approach mm-hmm. because you wouldn't let any of your imperfections seen. Right, or in like romantic relationships too, it can really affect the other person. My husband would (laughs) tell you all about that, but yeah, we kind of like project our perfectionism onto others too. Like we expect them to, you know, be up to our unreasonably high standards, and then that person starts to feel this kind of pull of not good enough, and oh, it's just a really bad cycle.
1: It's it's a yes, and it's it's a bad cycle in the sense that it's like a cancer. It can go anywhere and it can jump around anywhere. And when you mention the expectations we can have of other people, there are um, two researchers, Dr. Paul Hewitt and Gordon. I'm I'm not going to remember his full name right now, but they have their experts who have studied perfectionism and they have a model of perfectionism where they say that the one category is called self-oriented perfectionism where all your perfectionistic tendencies are directed at yourself Mm -hmm. so you expect yourself to be perfect nobody else that scenario where you are so forgiving of other people and their mistake but absolutely critical of yours the second one is called other oriented perfectionism where you are very perfectionistic or high perfectionistic expectations of the people you work with friends you hang out with spouse partner that you choose for yourself and sadly for your children too sometimes perfectionism and learned because the parents have their own perfections and that they didn't work through
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and just to wrap up their model their third one is <clears throat> their third one is socially prescribed uh, perfectionism where those types of perfectionistic expectations are socially um uh,
0: you know prescribed to you mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure we can have a mix of all of those.
1: <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do. I, I, I'm, a, I'm afraid I'm quite guilty of that. Yeah. Uh, and, and I often tell people it's it's not about, again, choosing like which one am I? It's more understanding and being aware that, again, when I had my daughter, uh, not only I was being very, I, I had the urges and I, I was triggered, my perfectionism was reactivated but I most definitely pose it on my husband as well. And I would be just as judgmental of him and be upset with him for forgetting to give her her bottle, even if it was like five minutes behind schedule. Mm-hmm. And I would, and this is the sad story. Most moms stand right behind their husband's shoulder watching how they are changing the diaper. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's this Vicious cycle where you complain that your partner is not helping enough, but then you're standing right behind their shoulder, criticizing and supervising what they're doing. So your partner doesn't eventually doesn't feel an adequate co-parent.
0: Right, and that's definitely not sexy or romantic. <laughs> it doesn't. Yes, talk about killing the killing the romance and yeah. loving the marriage most definitely. Totally. So is there anything that you didn't get to say yet that maybe are some steps you help people take to overcome their perfectionism?
1: Yes, I think that would be something to, to touch on. And I think some of them, I'm, we might have you know, mentioned it already, but I just want to um, say, start with awareness. I hope you know, podcasts like these help people better understand what, their, what perfectionism is, is not what we're sold Mm-hmm. Which is again, you're doing your best. It's actually a very toxic, very uh, unhealthy way of relating to ourselves by disowning, rejecting parts of ourselves that need all our love, affection, attention. So understand what perfectionism is, and along with that, understand how it's showing up in your life. We talked about you know the two versions of it, or we talked about self-oriented versus other-oriented. So I hope people can initially first take the time to understand. I know. Uh, from, you know, observations and interactions with my clients, we want to change, right? It's so uncomfortable that we have this issue that we really want to get to the solution. But mm-hmm. the first thing we need to do is understand the problem. So again, I want to reiterate that the first step has to be tracking, journaling, noticing, writing down, you know? And if you, can, if you can't tell when or how your perfectionism is, is, is showing up, look at the moments you're feeling anxious, look at the moments you're feeling resentful, look at the moments you're feeling burned out and exhausted. Those emotions behind that lies your perfectionism that probably had you overextend yourself.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Once you have a good understanding of your perfectionism, we have to obviously start changing those things one step at a time. And, and I, I would encourage people like we, we do with any change, you know, start somewhere. Uh, It doesn't have to be a big change. It could be a small change. Uh, You can keep it something relevant, like holidays are coming up. So maybe you can think of like my perfectionism has me think of the best of the best gifts for everyone around me. Mm -hmm. How can I make sure I don't uh, ruminate about the gifts I'm getting? So it will be more relevant. So that's another way people can focus on like, where am I going to start? Well, start what's maybe most relevant. Mm -hmm. Um, I know I gave some examples about motherhood, but if there was someone listening who is single, that's not going to relate to them. So it has to be what's relevant. And last but not least, Mm self-compassion. That's a huge one. You're right. As you were saying, is there something that we we need to mention? I I wanted to take a minute to talk about self-compassion because perfectionism brings along with it intense, intense self-loading, negative self-talk and intense self-criticism. So to combat our, and, and to overcome perfectionism, we have to be, as I think I was saying earlier, we have to be our loudest cheerleader. Mm-hmm. It's nobody's job but yours to love yourself first.
0: Right. And, you know, even when you're in the process of trying to heal the perfectionism, in my experience, I think it's happened like three times in my life, major times where I've really tried to work on it. And in the first couple of times that self-compassion piece was so, so absent that then you can get hard on yourself for not even doing the perfectionism recovery perfectly. (laughs) So, uh, it's just, that's such a key part. And Brown, Brene Brown's book, I think does a good job of talking about that. And I'm sure your course does too.
1: Most definitely, I think practicing self-compassion could mean so many different things. It could, it's necessary because we have to combat that negative self-talk that went along with perfectionism. Uh, And the other part, the other reason compassion is so important is because the journey itself is going to be imperfect. And how can we create a space for ourselves where we are patient and loving and forgiving towards ourselves? Um, And for me, compassion sometimes means having gratitude. To, to my imperfections, because this might be hard to hear for some people, but I just if you just sit with it long enough, I, I know you will see that there's something to be so grateful for, for all my imperfections. They gave me so much more clarity on what matters most to me. They gave me, my imperfections gave me so much more clarity on what I need to work on mm-hmm. and how it's like that dialectical thinking, I'm doing the best I can and I can do better. Um and 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 empathy. So there's yeah. you can practice gratitude for your imperfections.
0: Totally. I agree with that because underneath the perfection is is like our uniqueness and our gifts for the world. And I don't know, as helpers, I'm sure you can relate, I I love showing my imperfections to my clients because I think it humanizes that like even the people that maybe you look up to or think are perfect. Um, no, we're just as flawed as well. And that kind of gives permission to others to be themselves.
1: It does. It, it, Cause that, that goes again, back to the disconnection. People feel like you're not relatable and you're not approachable. Right. If you weren't to let your imperfection shows. And I think it's wonderful to be inspired by other people. But one of the, one of the quotes that I really love reminding myself or anybody is like, that we should never compare somebody else's middle to my beginning.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You don't know where I was 10 years ago when I was first reading that book, and how messy my life was, you know, right now I may sound, you know, I have a, you know, good, you know, head over my shoulders, but that doesn't mean like, that's where I was a, a decade ago. So we have to be careful, like while you get inspired, like for someone listening to you and seeing you, um, be so, you know, ahead in your recovery, they can feel overwhelmed. They can feel like that's just not going to happen to me. But don't compare your, don't, don't compare somebody else's middle to your beginning.
0: Very true. Yes. That middle or that beginning, all of it came with lots of panic and anxiety and tears. So yes, that's a great reminder. Thank you. Well, it's been so great talking to you. Can you tell listeners where they can find you and, you know, your course, your website, your Instagram?
1: So the best place would be the best place to find me would be instagram it's dr minijay but it's dr.minije. minijay so dr Minijay is the best place to find me on instagram the digital course the website is perfectionismuniversity.com so hopefully that's easy to remember and along with that a couple of weeks ago on my youtube channel i shared one of the courses uh, one of the video uh, video plans i have from my course On YouTube for free it's the lesson plan I have on gratitude so if anybody wants to check it out again it's like a 20 minute lesson plan and the worksheet is there as well you just have to sign up to get the worksheet for free Um, so if anybody's interested to uh, just learn a little bit about gratitude to overcome perfectionism that's on my YouTube channel and yeah you can just uh, search by my name
0: that's amazing. I didn't know you had a YouTube channel. I'm totally going to check that out. Oh, thank you. And thank you so much for having me here too.
1: I had a wonderful time.